Welcome to this week of Burn It All Down. It's the feminist sports podcast you need. I'm Brenda Elsie, and I am here with Shereen Ahmed and Lindsay Gibbs this week. We are going to talk about post-seasons, playoffs, anything that goes beyond a quote-unquote regular season, and the stories that touch us that are behind these things <laughs> that we're going to struggle to define. Um, how it affects women differently, how different sports approach a postseason, and then we will go on to throw a bunch of bullshit that happened in sports this week on a proverbial burn pile and celebrate the people who are trying to change things. Before all that, I love Halloween. Everybody knows I love Halloween. Um, so I'm so excited that we get to keep top of the show Halloween-oriented, and I'm going to ask my co-hosts about their costumes. Shireen. So I'm actually dressing up as the Canadian Minister of Defense, otherwise known as Steph Labe. Um, I've decided <laughs> that that is my costume. Can you explain to listeners who are not Woso folks? Yes. So Stephanie Labe is actually the starting goalkeeper for the Canadian women's national soccer team and Paris Saint-Germain in France. Uh, some of our listeners may or may not know that the Canadian women won gold in the Olympics. So as the gold medal winning keeper we want on pens she was quickly dubbed the canadian minister of defense so that's what i'm going to do and i'm excited about that how are you going to pull that costume off okay so i'm basically going to take all my daughter's like goalkeeping stuff and i already know i'm going to wear the little headband that she has on top of a black hijab but i'm basically going to cop all of jihad's goalkeeping gear for this and her gloves included and a ball and i think it'll work i think so too that sounds amazing Linz, i know you're a huge costume person um what did you come down on this year uh i will not be dressing up personally but the dog bar that we love to go to will have a halloween party and so i do think i'm gonna have to go to amazon i'm sorry that's just i'm lazy and going into a halloween store right now sounds like the nightmare but uh mo must be costumed yeah Definitely. you don't want him to feel left out no, 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 no. So uh, I'll be all in on the dog costume and uh, maybe I'll just wear one of my aggressively progressive shirts um, just to give people in North Carolina a little scare, a little spook. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I did that last night with my Keep Abortion Legal shirt um, accompanied by my halo and my angel wings since I could say it was a message from the gods. And it was really, it was really fun. I love dressing up. Okay, well, happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> so we're always, it seems, in the midst of a postseason for some sport or the other. I remember having breaks from sports when I was little. And it feels now like it's a constant extension of postseasons with new tournaments, etc. This past week, the gender committee at FIFA, the newly scientifically formed, I'm putting this in air quotes, um, committee, was discussing making the World Cup more frequent. Football's really weird, or soccer, already. And most people in the U.S., even Ted Lasso fans, find it odd because there are overlapping tournaments, tournaments within the season, tournaments before the season, tournaments after the season, many, many, many different cups. And there are stories and social histories behind all of those. But it's pretty confusing if you didn't grow up that way. 
And now we're in the midst of the baseball playoffs. And I have to be honest. I mean, I don't know if I have the staying power to just, you know, watch a postseason for this long. So anyway, I'm kind of fascinated by the concept. Why do we need it? How does it affect women differently? Um, What are the politics of it? And, you know, what we see in terms of this World Cup anyway is this push and pull between revenue and actual fan interest and drama. So I want to start out just with a general question about how you reacted to the FIFA news or the NWSL having some new tournaments, etc. Shireen? Well, I mean, I think that there's always a place for expansion. But what I think about when I think about expansion from FIFA is a type of, let's consider soccer a beautiful forest. It's like this deforestation, to be honest. I feel like as opposed to expansion, they believe in this materialistic capitalist system. And there's a place to amplify and grow the game most certainly. I don't love this. And I think they're using off-season or post-season spaces to create as and generate as much money as possible is this helping the players is this unifying and building teams is this creating fan bases i don't believe so i think this is a money grab i have absolutely no faith in fifa in terms of doing something from an honest perspective even if they argue women and i mean with nwsl like new tournaments i have a lot of questions Like, I just have a lot of questions on how they go, irrespective of of when. And I want to make sure it's safe for the athletes. That's one of the things. Because if you're playing all the time and your body doesn't get a rest, what does that look like? That's one of my biggest concerns. Right. I mean, it's it's strange when they can't even really get together a Continental Cup. Like, we don't really, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, we don't really have, like, the domestic leagues that play off among nations, like the Champions League in South America for women, even though they're supposed to, the Libertadores. And we don't have it at all for North America. And they never schedule matches, FIFA uh, friendlies. I mean, they almost never do. So I don't I don't know what that looks like. And I'm not surprised to see it's just U.S. and European women, so far as I can tell, on this scientific committee. So, you know, they're making the argument they want to develop the game in other places, but I don't really see anyone represented there. Um, Linz? First of all, I love that the more we do this podcast together, the more we all start to sound each other. Like having Shireen rail against capitalism, I was like, oh my God, like we've got a Brenda situation here. This is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, none of this is surprising. The fact that I think there's such a lack of creativity and vision when it comes to women's sports. So the fact that It's just like, let's take the, you know, organizations that are established. And what if we just do more of this one thing that actually gets attention as opposed to doing the hard work of building up the infrastructures globally? And so it just seems to me like such a, I don't know, a cop out, just like a Band-Aid, except a Band-Aid that would probably make things worse because it would just kind of like overcrowd the schedule and, you know, continue to make the successful countries more successful while leaving the others that don't have the infrastructure and development and competitions in the dust. So I hope that maybe this committee can lead to some good things, right? Like, you know, it's always good to get stakeholders, actual stakeholders and experts in a room together to talk about how to further develop women's sports. But I surely hope the starting point is not the ending point of this, <laughs> uh, of this committee. Right. I mean, it is nice to see Alex Morgan on a committee, any committee. 
Um, she can join all my committees. So I'm excited to see a current player. But yeah, it was it felt really strange and it feels like more of a rubber stamping. Um, but hopefully they'll rabble rouse themselves um, out of doing that for Infantino. I, you know, it's funny because a lot of these cups, they have like really interesting histories. So it feels weird, but like it might be, oh, this league was all union teams, you know, and they play for a particular cup that started in the 1890s. And so this club that came out of, you know, heavy metal unions and this one that came out of mining unions and this one that came out of transport unions. And then they play each other and it made sense. And I feel like some of that like initial logic and stories don't really make sense in the women's game. And there, when you say creativity lens, it's, I think that's exactly the point. There's ways in which you could start that and you could create and foster that and think about what made those men's tournaments exciting and important to communities. And I don't think they're doing that at all, at all, at all. Okay, so thinking beyond soccer or within soccer still, what are what was the WNBA like for you, Linz? What did you think about this postseason we just finished? It was so, so good. Of course, uh, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I was in Chicago for Game 4, which, of course, the Chicago Sky ended up winning. And... Look, if you're down, if you're feeling blue, I highly recommend going into a sold out arena full of like diehard fans cheering on a women's team for a championship. Like that's just good balm for the soul and a good fuck you to anyone who says women's sports don't matter or that nobody cares. Like just the pure joy in that. But I don't think the WNBA playoff format is perfect, but I do like the way it tries to kind of combine Two things that I love about postseasons. One, which is this kind of sudden death, one game means all final four like type aspect. And you know, they have that with the first two rounds, um, which are just one game. And then, you know, for the semis and the final, you do have these series, which are five game series. And I love seeing series as well. You know, I love seeing teams try to adjust to one another. Do you know what I mean? And I think series are where you really get rivalries because you have to keep coming back and you you get to learn so much about players and so much about coaches um, during a series. And so I think always with the WNBA, I'm just left wanting a little bit more, you know, like I wish we could just have more of everything. And of course, the reason we can't is because the players have to go overseas uh, to play. And so it's kind of frustrating. Like it goes, you know, to this whole postseason thing and the fact that, you know, WNBA players don't have an off season. So they go straight from the playoffs to overseas to Europe. And the reason they can't keep extending the playoffs anymore is really because of that. And so, um, you know, I don't know. It just brings a lot of these different elements together. But overall, I do really love having both. I love having the sudden death and one game all and that intensity. And I love that we get some longer series, although I'd like them to be even longer, please. Um, One of the things I was going to add to for those that are like, well, why do they go overseas? I mean, the reason is really clear that the salaries are not high enough. And and most of the time, it's a monetary factor that's pulling them overseas. Because we saw, you know, the more you have, you don't have time to rest, your body gets exhausted, you're prone to injury. So this really does come down to we need to be paying them more. I was working on some project recently. And um, I was looking at the salaries of 
like, you know, comparison wise, and Candace Parker makes about $190,000 a year, which for some people like, whoa, that's a lot of money. Not when the average NBA salary is like 7 million. So I think, you know, that's something that we really need to think about. It's like a percentage. And then that also contributes to the lack of, like Lindsay saying, an extended postseason. And I think the WNBA season is one of the the type of playoffs that only gets more exciting every single year. Like it, it really, really builds. And I love that it's building because we get to be a part of that. But it's like wildly fun. Um, and, you know, playoffs are, are fun. It can be a little bit you know, for people like myself with anxiety, it's not always great. And then I tried to do this thing that's called getting into baseball. Uh, I became an avid diehard Blue Jays fan in the end of August, <laughs> uh, conveniently. But baseball is wild, y'all. They don't even have like a system that's normal. I had, for those of you who might know, I did a hot take with uh, Camilla Hinkson, a baseball editor from The Athletic. And we talked specifically about this. And it made no sense. I literally needed her to come on and explain what their postseason, like their playoffs look like, because I couldn't follow. So, you know, it's good. I would prefer playoffs with the traditional format, so I don't have to think too much. But that's just me. Well, I mean, I like single elimination. So I really do, because I feel like every single second matters. Like everything is thought out and it feels so tense. And it's just like... I get it. Like, I totally understand what you both are saying about relationships forming and rivalries and how coaches get to develop a kind of game plan and then switch it up and stuff like that. But I love the Libertadores and the Champs League single elimination finals. I love the World Cup single elimination finals. Every time they're like, we're going to make it like a three game, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, you do not do that. Because I just feel like every touch, like, you're just hanging. You're just hanging on every touch. I don't even tune into baseball that I'm interested in until the seventh inning. Like, why? Same, same. Yeah. I mean, much less, like, many games. So I just, I'm like, meh, I don't, I don't really, I don't really want them to change anything. And I also have this, like, creepy feeling that a lot of this has to do with betting. Mm. Um, we've talked a little bit about the billions of dollars that go into sports betting and the postseason betting is a whole nother category, right? So you can, at the beginning of the season, not only bet on the season, but you can bet on the postseason. And then you get like a nine to one versus like, you know, whatever. I'm not I'm not betting. I'm just like reading about it. <laughs> Lynn's? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. You're totally right. Like, ultimately, this is all capitalism, right? So like, if you see the NBA playoffs, right, they've just gotten longer and longer and longer throughout the years. We're now like... Every series is best of seven and like I can't get into the first round at all because it's just longer. And now they are doing this play in game format, trying to kind of bring the excitement, which I like because it makes the regular season more important. Um, I, I felt I'm not the only one, but, you know, the last two months of the regular season have meant nothing in the NBA for years, basically, just because, you know, as long as you're into the playoffs, like that's the most important part. Rest your stars type thing. So, you know, I, I like mechanisms that try and kind of make the regular season a bit more important and create that uh, interest. Um, but ultimately, like every time I hear about NBA trying to make the playoffs more exciting and maybe shortening some series, it comes down to they're not going to do that because the owners won't get as much money. Right. And so that's always kind of a frustration of mine. I also it's been very interesting to see the WNBA and there's talks of this happening in the NBA, like 
borrow some from soccer <laughs> and start going into having these like mid-season tournaments, um, which are things that I don't understand really at all because I've the way I consume sports has been so American focused, right? So the WNBA this year had the Commissioner's Cup and it was basically like certain games played during the regular season counted towards Commissioner's Cup points. And then when we came back from All-Star break slash this year Olympic break, um, you know, there was a champion. And so like the Seattle Storm won the championship and there was money involved. There were a lot of people really critical of it. I thought I'm all for innovation. And like, if you get more people to sponsor things, like I'm not against it. And the first year is rough, but like, how does soccer, like, especially notice like European soccer, like balance all these different cups and how do you know what matters <laughs> when? Like, it seems very confusing to me. It's a mess. After, after baseball, nothing is confusing. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> no, but like, it, it's it, regional, Lindsay. Like, you check on regions and what happens. It's just, that's why the Champs League is so fun because it's like all the different regions together. In Europe. Yeah, in Europe. But it also makes sense when you've been doing something. Like golf, I don't necessarily understand the scoring, but it makes sense when you do it for so long. So you basically have to immerse yourself in football and you will be fine. So what I'm hearing you say is you want me and Brenda to start a WhatsApp group with you and put in Forza there and you will be immersed in football. That's what I'm hearing. No, Lindsay, don't do it. Like, live. Uh, No, I mean, it doesn't make sense. No, but do you understand why it's confusing? Because it's like games count for multiple things. Like you've got your country, you've got your leagues, and then the Champions League. It's a lot. Right. So so what you have basically is you have domestic leagues that are professional, right? They're they're country-based, right? They're they're per country. Right. And it starts with levels. So you have the Premier League, but you also have the English League. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you might have three leagues, four leagues of professional footballers in a particular country. Those are just your domestic clubs. And like I say, they come out of unions, neighborhoods, universities, whatever. And so they have those leagues have cups mid-season. They don't always play each other all the time. So the cup brings together, like, different leagues, right? Then you've got your national team, and your national team plays in a confederation like South America, Asia, Europe. Then you've got all of FIFA, where both the professional clubs play across borders. So you might have like PSG in the French League playing Barcelona in the Spanish League in the Euros, right? right? In, In the Champions League. Okay. Okay. Same thing happens in every confederation. Then you've got the whole world club thing, and then you've got the national teams. So it's like, this is what makes it so confusing, is that you have all these overlapping things. And um, I think it's wild to think that the WNBA would take the same teams in the same league and have a tournament. That makes no sense to me at all. Like, like that just, I, that just blows my mind where like, there's a reason like they, these teams don't. So Real Madrid and Barcelona may find themselves replaying each other for a certain cup, but they may not. 
You know what I mean? Like, the WNBA, like, these people are just playing each other all season, and then they just replay each other for a cup. Makes no sense to me. I don't know. Shereen, am I, did I do an okay job there? No, you did. And I love the, I <laughs> love trying. the El Clasico example as well. Like, you'll find, you know, Real Madrid and Barca possibly meeting the champs. Like, then they'll meet in La Liga. Then they'll meet right. another, like, a Club World Cup. Like, it, it's all over the place. Essentially, you just find the team that you want the match you want to watch and then you figure out later i look for matches on forza that are happening and then i figure out later what they're happening for yes (laughs) see that's so that's so backwards to my my like thinking do you know what i mean like my thinking is like you know what i mean like the playoff itself is the intrigue and then who whatever teams you put in there like you hope it'd be a good matchup but it's the stakes itself that makes it interesting but you do it kind of backwards so that's and that's fascinating so i'm a little chaotic i'm aquarius we talk a lot about that here sometimes and then so this chaos of soccer works me the organized chaos but i mean essentially what brenda is saying is that two different teams can meet for many many different reasons and different places so and sometimes the cups and those competitions are just formalities in my opinion because really the only thing that matters to me is the united champs league the theme song that i would love inserted here trust that That is my wedding song. <laughs> and I feel like that is the best. That is the best tournament yes. of all time. But again, like, so this is really interesting. Like that song is just in there to make you think that the Champs League is old and distinct. And I love that. So the Champs League's new. I love it. And so they just do this. Oh. And, and they just do that so you think forever. Like, the Premier League is such a baby. Like, it's so young. But they give it things like the Premier League. Like, it's been around for centuries. And, you know, it really hasn't. And so one of the things that this brings up, I think, is, Lynn's a similar situation, and I wonder if you'd like to see this, and I feel like you might, would be could you take, like, the WNBA team's champs to play – whoever won the European League. You could accept because the WNBA season happens and the other, they'd be the same players on both teams. Right. <laughs> like you have, Brianna Stewart would have to do double duty here, right? Yeah. It's like she's yeah. doing both. And I think you are seeing a little bit more of that in women's soccer, like the NWSL, yeah. I know has been hosting, um, there's been some tournaments between international teams and those are really, yeah. I think, exciting and cool. I love seeing that. Yeah, I love that. So, so, okay, this has been helpful. I feel like I understand a little bit more, but I also feel like I, sometimes when people explain things to me, I think, oh, I should never have been confused. That's not how I feel now. That's not how I feel now. I feel like this is, yes, uh, it's still very confusing to me, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I do feel like I have a better, better sense of it. And I, I don't know. I think it's just cool how different teams and different leagues and different countries like how these traditions kind of come about for like postseason and different things work for well for different sports and I just I kind of think that's cool I do too and in the postseason we're in now I just want to end this by asking you just a fun question of the moment um so we're down to the Dodgers the Astros the Red Sox and the Atlanta team in the World Series um, contention. Do you have any favorites? Does anyone care? So 
my baseball love emanated from the Blue Jays, obviously. And I kind of was like where the hottest players are. So at this point, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. And I don't know. I'll have to do a deep dive. But Red Sox are Boston. And I have a general, like, visceral reaction to oppose anything from Boston ever. (laughs) So I will be like, no, to that. So I don't know. I don't know the baseball well enough beyond the Jays. So I will do whatever bandwagon feels the best for me. I think at Burn It All Down, we're not a big fan of the ways in which the Atlanta team has continued to use the racist gestures. So my guess is that if I had to speak for my co-hosts, we wouldn't like to see that behavior rewarded. I don't know. Linz? Yes, I agree. Except like, so, and I think we talked about this a little bit last week where uh, there's no MLB team, you know, in North Carolina or South Carolina. And so like, Growing up, it was watching the only baseball I would watch was watching Atlanta in the World Series and and rooting for Atlanta. And so I do have some like nostalgia, like seeing them back in the World Series, I believe for the first time since 99, like since I would watch that, you know, like in middle school and stuff. So even though I I do have an attachment to them more uh, more so than I do for I mean, I'm definitely not rooting for Boston. Houston, I can't root for right now. The Astros, I really have a hard time rooting for, for obvious reasons. So I think I might actually root for them, even though they're horrible. But um, that's that's life. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. But I agree, like, they need to stop all the awfulness. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. (laughs) It's complicated. As always on this show, there's no straightforward answers. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit indeed.com slash blue wire to start hiring today. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week, I sit down with Dr. Jennifer Doyle to discuss sexual assault in sport, how we can understand its pervasive and pernicious effects. In sports, what we have is a deeply hierarchical structure that um, manages your access to pleasure and to the game and also is, you know, holds out the kind of carrot of enormous success, whether that be representing your country on a national team or having um, corporate endorsements, becoming a celebrity. It's a really asymmetrical power system 
And like the church, like university structures, like the military, these kinds of deeply hierarchical structures are ones in which harassment flourishes. Harassment loves that dynamic. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment where we discuss all of the terrible things that happened this week in sport and throw them on the proverbial burn pile. I am going to start. It's short and sweet. Uh, It's a continuation for Evander Kane. And I think he's been on the burn pile before. I feel like he's still kind of steaming from prior behavior. But this week, I'm throwing him on for his attempt to submit a fake COVID-19 vaccination card to the San Jose Sharks to continue to play despite not being vaccinated. He is now suspended for 21 games and he will lose uh, $1.68 million of his $7 million salary. And I want to burn the fact, well, on so many levels. First, that you would lie about this is just absolutely disgusting. Secondly, that you think you're smarter than anyone else in the room to submit a fake card? Like, what? Like, who? Who? What? Who are you? You're just like, oh, I saw somebody's card and I'm going to get a piece of construction paper and cut out a card. Like, what? Like, you have to have some, like, real hubris to go around thinking that you're going to, like, submit this fake vaccination card. Nobody's going to check. Everybody's going to take your word um, for it. And I want to burn the fact that he probably thinks that because he's gotten away with being violent towards his wife with having people trust him on all kinds of levels when they shouldn't probably. So anyway, I want to burn the fact that what this reveals about his character, what this says about anti-vax movement, if that's a thing. And um, it's also kind of a happy burn because he's actually in trouble for something. So yeah, burn. Burn his fake vax card. Burn. Burn. (laughs) Wild. Okay, Shireen. Okay, so this is, I'm so tired. Islamophobia and racism is just so old. It's just, can we not? So I'll start off by explaining that for those that don't know, Newcastle United is a team in the English Premier League. It's a men's football team. And it was recently bought for 305 million pounds by the Saudi Public Investment Fund. So basically, this is a team that's got all this money. And it's not the first time we've seen Middle Eastern or Gulf money and oil money invested into football. And it's not the first time we've ever thought or understood about corruption. But that aside, to quote unquote honor the new owners, Newcastle United fans decided to wear tea towels on their head and attend the games at St. James Park last week. Now, if you want to honor something, to copy someone in that way is not is not it. It's just not it. It's a culture, not a costume. And I know we're hitting Halloween, and this is a time particularly where super offensive cultural appropriation happens. But Newcastle United fans, you want to big up the owners? Don't be racist in your overtures. That's not necessary. It's it's really not. Like I'm sure you can find a better way. Make some make some shawarma at home and eat it with your family. You don't need to do this. Like it's just 
It's embarrassing. So Newcastle United actually had to send out a memo to its team fan bases and communities saying, please don't do this. It could be construed as offensive. And just actually jumping off of that, this is reported yesterday, and this is a continuation of this Crystal Palace fans who were playing Newcastle United yesterday, held up a banner, which is now being investigated by police because it was so offensive. Essentially, it was uh, the depiction of a Saudi prince, uh, like a Saudi man, surrounded by Premier League chief executive Richard Masters, surrounded by blood. But that depiction of a Saudi man is brown. He's holding a sword and it says... Owners invest, attest as terrorism, beheading, civil rights abuses, murder, censorship, persecution. Now, I'm not out here to be like the Saudi regime is anything but terrible. Like, listen, they are. There's no question. But again, there is a way to critique a system of uh, that's horrible and a regime that's unjust without being racist about it. You just Crystal Palace fans, you haven't figured that one out. So I want to take all of this because I seriously get a headache. Put your tea towels away. Focus on something else. Focus on being effective in your criticism and your analysis, because this ain't it. I want to take all of this bullshit, and I want to burn it. Burn. Lens. Yeah, I want to put a trigger warning here for abuse and self-harm. Um, skip it forward a few minutes if you want to take care of yourself today. But I'm going to want to put Dalila Sappenfield, a U.S. Olympics pairs figure skating coach, onto the burn pile. This is a story that came out a couple weeks from Christine Brennan of USA Today, who has done phenomenal reporting on abuse in figure skating. Sappenfield has been temporarily banned by the U.S. Center for Safe Sport um, because of allegations of misconduct. And she's also barred from coaching or having any contact with about a dozen figure skaters. One of those skaters, Tara Kane, the 2016 U.S. Pairs champion who talked with Christine Brennan at USA Today about the allegations that she submitted to Safe Sport. This is a quote from Tara. She, referring to Sappenfield, was constantly talking about sex, about who I was dating, about my sex life. It was completely inappropriate, but that's what Dalila does. She uses gossip from other skaters in the rink against you. She knew I was struggling with my mental health, but instead of helping me, she chose to make fun of me. She even went to other skaters and told them about it, calling me names and asking the guys why anyone would want to date me. Um, in the summer of 2019 at the U.S. Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, things got so bad that Kane self-harmed. She went to her skating partner, um, Danny O'Shea, and told him about it. But they were so afraid that if she went to the emergency room, that Sappenfield would be so angry about that. So instead, she and O'Shea super glued her skin together to stop the bleeding. Kane told Christine that in her head, she thought she was going to die that night, but she was still too afraid to go to the hospital. Over the next couple of weeks, she tried to hide her scar, but Sappenfield found out and wasn't concerned about her well-being, instead pulled her aside and said, why don't you just go out and screw the entire men's gymnastics team? Um, Kane had planned to continue skating with O'Shea and go for the 2022 Winter Olympics, but because of the abuse, 
that changed and it ended her career ultimately. I think it's also worth noting here that uh, Sappenfield was the coach and good friend of John Coughlin, the two-time national Paris champion who um, who died by suicide uh, in 2019, just one day after he received an interim suspension from Safe Sport due to three allegations of sexual abuse. So there's layers to this abuse. The world of figure skating, just like the world of so many sports, is in, is in the midst of a reckoning, and it has a long way to go. And I do want to say I am glad that we're focusing on not just sexual abuse, which of course needs to be run out, but into mental and emotional and verbal abuse as well. And as we've seen here, as we've seen many examples of, women can uphold this abuse too, and women need to be held accountable for their coaching style. So... Kudos to Tara for speaking out and burn, burn, burn everything um, that Sappenfield is accused of. Burn. So after all that burning, now we move on to people who are trying to change things in sport for the better, who have made amazing accomplishments and who we're admiring. Um Honorable mentions for torchbearers of the week go to Luchadores. Morgan State becomes the only HBCU with Div 1 wrestling. Shireen. The Dragon Slayer, Katie Gay, is the first woman to officiate an American Hockey League game. She refed a game between the Wilkie Sparrow Scranton Penguins and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms last Saturday. Linz. Our fire spitter of the week is Lisa Byington. She's the first woman play-by-play announcer in the NBA. Which she's with the Milwaukee Bucks calling their games this season. So she's been on this list before, and I, uh, she continues to blaze trails. Other trailblazers for this week include the Puerto Rican women's ice hockey team, which won the very first Amerigol Latam Cup in Florida, They have some adorable pictures up in Sports Illustrated of how excited they are. So check it out if you can. Shireen. Okay. This is flaming, (laughs) y'all. I love it. I love that so much, flaming, y'all. That's amazing, (laughs) Brenda. You're genius. Uh, Congrats to the 20 women who are nominated for the Ballon d'Or, including uh, Bernadette Down favorites Christine Sinclair and Christiane Endler. Did you see what I did there with the French? I did. I love you. Thank you so much. Flamingo is what I'm going to call. I love it so much. All right. Um, So can I get a drum roll for the Torchbearers of the Week? Okay. Linz. Yeah, obviously we've got the WNBA champs, the Chicago Sky, and a special shout out to Copper, the finals MVP. Oh my gosh. They came from behind in that fourth quarter to win that game against the Phoenix Mercury. I have never been in a building that loud ever. It was every part of me like had chills uh, to see Candace Parker in tears, to see, you know, Allie Quigley and Vandersloot who've been with Chicago for so long, um, win it as wives and, you know, get to celebrate it openly together to see, I mean, so many stories on that team were just phenomenal. Um, and it was, uh, I'm just so happy for them. And you guys have to go look for pictures of the parade they had and the rally they had. Chicago showed up for them. And that just makes me so happy. 
Okay. Well, in dark times, we like to talk about what's good in our week. Shireen, why don't you start us off? Yeah. So I'm, you know, pretty, pretty thrilled about a bunch of things. Um, I'm going on a vacation for a couple of days, which will be really fun just to take a break. It's been really busy. I have a project coming out with Spencer's that I'm really excited about that'll drop this week. So I'm excited about teaching still, which is a lot of fun. My students continue to slay and be phenomenal. And I love that. Also, the Canadian Women's National Team has started a victory tour, which is which is great. And in addition to that, I broke a story yesterday that was a really which is a really big deal. Essentially, the Canadian Women's National Team pushed Canada soccer to acknowledge and recognize a survivors of abuse of a coach who is in court right now. Court data has been pushed up facing nine allegations and that had never been publicly commented on. And so essentially this amazing team that should be reveling in their glory is like we're using this moment. They had a moment of silence yesterday, which is Saturday. We're recording Sunday morning. So that was a really big deal. I'm very tired. And I would like to go off grid, which may or may not happen, but I'm excited about just taking a little bit of a break. And one of the most exciting things in the world happened to me, not just breaking this story, but I went to watch curling, like real in-person curling. And I've been talking about this. I love watching it. I attended a tournament with my dear friend, Claire Hannah, and her partner, Kirk Myers, yes, of Saskatchewan curling legendary fame that same person. And um, I didn't realize that the sheets were all in the same rank. So it's like you've got four games happening beside each other. I always thought it was like one sheet, one thing per game. It's not what happens. It's riveting. There's so much history and drama. And I didn't know that curling has this big debate right now about having an umpire or not. So they self-regulate. You guys, with the Olympics coming up, I know what my obsession will be. That's all I'm going to say. And I want to share it with you all. So thank you to Claire and Kirk because that was so much fun. That's a lot. That's good. Congratulations on all that stuff. That's really exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's so much. I don't I don't really know how to follow up, except that I love Halloween so much and decorations. I have like um, a purple tree with spiders on it and cobwebs that I put up and then I put lights in the outside trees like purple and orange and I love all the colors and getting free candy um I don't like that people feel a lot of pressure to think of funny costumes um or to be witty I hate that I would like people just to feel like they can just like wear anything so sometimes I do feel like I'm at a Halloween party and someone will clearly feel you know, insecure about their costume. And for me, that's like making fun of accents when you're speaking a different language. Like you go straight to hell, you know, like, like don't pass go. Like it's got to be fun, you know. So I hope, I hope people are, are um, appreciative when people put themselves out there and I love it. I just think it's so fun. So that's always what's good for me. I try to get myself invited to as many Halloween parties as possible. I try to weasel my way in. Um, Let me be your plus one please. I'll dress up. Um, so that's great. Uh, the kids love it. We have coordinated costumes. We're all some kind of angels this year, like fallen angels, dark angels, whatever. Um, and yeah, I just love Halloween week. I love everything about it. So that's me, like un, un, uncharacteristically sunny. Uh, Linz? Yeah. Um, 
you know, getting to be in Chicago last week is certainly a what's good. But also, this is my first weekend home in five mm. weeks. And I do not travel often. And especially since COVID, I've not traveled often. So it's been a little shock to my system. But um, I got caught up on laundry yesterday. And, and like, that felt about as good as anything. <laughs> it does. Like, it I does. Like, oh. I was like, that's what's good. Like, I have clean clothes. Like, that. that's a what's good also and fall's great and I I know I'm missing some things oh uh I'm fully on board the succession train oh my god succession I'm very excited because tonight will be the first night I get to watch it live with Twitter so uh everyone needs to be watching it oh my gosh oh good okay I love when I can follow that advice from co-hosts What about what we're watching for this week? Anybody excited about something this week in sports? Yeah, well, we got the World Series, and I, I will be watching some NFL, some football, NWSL. We're we're down to the wire with the. I think this is the last like full week of games. Um, so, and of course the NBA is back, and I am going to be all in on the Charlotte Hornets this year. I've decided this team is just very lovable. The type of lovability that will destroy my life. So, you know, I'm all in. Nice. Nice. Shireen, you looking forward to anything? Yeah, I'm still, I love the Champs League. I will continue to watch it. I love September coming around for the reason that reemerges women's football in Europe is is fun. Um, I'm also, as I mentioned, uh, this episode comes out on Tuesday. That night is the uh, Women's Victory Tour, the Canadian uh, national team. And it can be watched on one soccer. It's actually not being showcased on any of the major networks. This is another problem with women's sports, but you can find it on one soccer. And um, one more thing I wanted to say is curling. Right now, there's a big tournament happening in Oakville. And by the time this episode goes to air, the tournament will be over. But I, hopefully you did catch some of the series. Okay. That's it for this episode of Burn It All Down. This episode was produced by Tressa Versteg. Shelby Weldon is our web and social media wizard. Burn It All Down is part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Follow Burn It All Down on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen, subscribe, and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and TuneIn. For show links and transcripts, please check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You'll also find a link to merch at our Bonfire store. And thank you to our patrons. Your support means the world. If you want to become a patron and a donor to the show, visit patreon.com slash burnitalldown. I'm Brenda Elsie, and on behalf of my co-hosts here, Burn on and not out.